Hello and thanks for visiting crosspointchurch.ca. You're about to see a sermon from our summer series called Life Hacks, Nine Ways to Make Your Life Gooder. Um, if you would like to give to the ongoing ministries of Crosspoint, you can visit crosspointchurch.ca slash give. And don't forget uh, to check out our coming South Campus at Cineplex Theaters coming in October. Uh, you can find out more information and how to give towards that by visiting crosspointchurch.ca slash South Campus. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this sermon from our summer series called Life Hacks. was a good one. I loved it. I couldn't wait to find out what was in store for us this morning on our kicker video. And uh, I, I need to uh, get a copy of that after the service because some of those I need to use in my life this morning and for the rest of my life. That information retention thing especially, did you catch that? Did you retain that? As a former high school teacher, right? I'm going to let you in on an inside thing here a little bit traveling the northern roads of Maine. Heavily populated, heavy traffic, <laughs> really was. I mean, there was so many uh, moose and deer running across the road anyway, but besides that, I traveled um, a great distance between my home in Holton and the place that I was teaching the last three years that I actually was in education. And I found that information retention was a good thing but not while you're driving. You know, when you're kind of going over those lesson plans one more time before you get to the classroom, you ought not to be doing that on the highway at an excessive speed. Just letting you know, because sometimes you don't retain where you are on the road, and things happen. Anyway, um, yeah, it's not good, but I, I really enjoy those. Those are really good. This morning, we're going to be uh, spending a little bit of time uh, in God's Word talking about um, 
one of these life hacks that we've been going through in our summer series. And uh, really looking forward to this, being a part of this series and sharing with you. And so uh, we were going down through which one we were all going to be having and uh, came across the one that I have. So Mark and I had an interesting conversation around this particular life hack that I was dealing with. So let me just share, you with, share this with you. Let me ask you this question, just to start it out, you kind of let that knock around in your head for a minute. How do you forgive or show forgiveness? Okay, just think about that for a minute. And then along with that, how do you help others that are around you to forgive or to show forgiveness? Now, being the bright guy that I am and wanting to you know, get as much information as I can into my head and keep it there, I said, what in the world's a life hack? Okay, even back when we first started putting this together. And of course, you have your booklets. How many of you have your booklets with you this morning? Okay, good, excellent. Excellent opportunity to take some great notes here. Um, so I looked it up again just to make sure that I was right on, and here's what it said. It said, life hack, or life hacking refers to any trick, shortcut, skill, novelty, method that increases productivity and efficiency. Good. In all walks of life. I said, perfect. The term was primarily used by computer experts who suffer from information overload. Okay. Or maybe it's those with a playful curiosity in the ways that they can accelerate their workflow, like in ways other than programming. So I quickly began to think about how in the world is forgiveness a life hack? And I asked Mark, and uh, he's like, how did you get that one as a life hack? And, and we were both like doing this quizzical look on our faces and really, you know what? It, I've come to conclude in my mind that the forgiveness life hack is not a life hack. It's not. It's my opinion. It is not. But you should practice it. You definitely should practice this. Because the reason why that is, is as a follower of Christ and just as a human being, it will increase your productivity and your efficiency in life in all walks of your life, everything that you do. And so, yeah, we need to practice this and it will make things go a lot better. So we're gonna jump in. I wanna, I wanna kind of find out uh, the world's definition of forgiveness. And in this, we're gonna cover a couple of other areas, truth and grace, that fit into this whole idea of life hacks, uh, forgiveness. And you know, I have found out in looking through a lot of things and in living life in general, that the world's definition of forgiveness and the biblical definition of forgiveness, they don't match up a lot in many areas. Um, and so I thought, well, it would be a good thing to start off and kind of, you know, fixate on what is it that the world considers to be forgiveness and what is it that God, the Bible, shares with us about forgiveness. So if you'll permit me, I want to jump in. And you know what? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I'm not going to ask you permission about this. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness later on. Here we go. Whoever came up with that phrase, I love it. I love it. Here's the world's definition of forgiveness. Knowing that it is remarkably different from that which the Bible may describe, if you were to ask someone on the street, what is forgiveness? Just an arbitrary person that you pass by. Um, they might say that it's an act of forgiving uh, someone of something that happened to them, having the willness, willingness to forgive someone from something that they've done to you or said to you. Um, 
or the voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in an attitude or their feelings in which an offense was inflicted upon them. How am I doing with information overload? And, and I, yeah, I'm like, what? But I get this. I understand the fact that the world is so driven about all of these little detailed things in there that it might even be willingness to let go of some negative emotions in this whole thing the world might say. And I'm like, man, I've got to go to the Word because I, I have a sense of that you know, God is really the one who has set this whole forgiveness thing in place and I'm getting clouded and, and uh, distracted by all of this stuff that the world seems to think they have a handle on this thing about forgiveness. And so within that, I read a little further from a number of different people and they said, for the person who has been offended, it could be that giving up the right to hurt those who have hurt you is about forgiveness. And we can say that we can forgive and forget, but do we really forget? Okay? Is it possible to forgive? I think so. But is it really possible to forget? Sometimes not likely. Sometimes. And then we bump over to what God's Word says about forgiveness. What the Bible defines as forgiveness is much broader it is more comprehensive than what this world believes. In the book of Matthew, okay, chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus here shows us what forgiveness really is. And this is what he says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now in this, when you look back at the original Greek and about the word forgive, it's a feme, again, Remember in the past I told you I am not a Greek scholar, but I know Greek. Okay? Forgive me if I pronounce that incorrectly. Ephemē, Which means, though, I want you to catch this. It means to send away. Okay? To depart or to yield up. And this is what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 6. It means to send away from ever being in the presence of either party. That means that if a brother or a sister offends you, offends me, and I forgive him, then I send away the particular offense that happened from myself and from him so that it is never brought up again. Now, does the world bring th keep bringing things up over and over and over again, they just can't let it go. If a person keeps bringing the same offense up, then they have never really sent it away or they haven't truly forgiven. You got that? And that just, man, that hit me square between the eyes. True biblical and godly forgiveness is this. In the book of Romans, Chapter 5, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's what Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says. And then he goes on a little bit further, and a couple of verses later on, it says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, his enemies, God's enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now, the Greek word for enemies is literally taken 
in this set context, it means hated, hateful, hostile to, and opposing. So in this verse here, and in these verses that we've looked at, forgiveness is dying for someone while they still hated or were hostile to you. And that's what God's son Jesus did. While we were still enemies of his, while we still hated him, while we did all of these things against God, he still loved us and he still moved toward us by giving us his son. And that is what God calls forgiveness. That is what the Bible does. And he was willing to make that happen. You know, God, we all hated God before we were saved, Paul writes in this book. While we were still enemies, but still, Jesus died for us. And we know that we can move through and beyond, forgive and forget. God gives us the example of doing that. The Bible, you know, is one long story. One long story of how God reaches out to show his love to people, to mankind. He shows his love. He shows his forgiveness. And it starts in the very first book of the Bible that we have, Genesis, and it works its way all the way through to the conclusion in Genesis chapter 3, God gives us his first promise that there is a redeemer that's going to come and take away all of this, this crud that's in our lives. And he's going to forgive the world of the sin. And God gives various stories in his word that demonstrates forgiveness through the whole thing. There's a story in the book of Genesis a little later on that many of you in here may know. You ever heard of Jacob and Esau? It is one incredible story of forgiveness when you really take time to study through it. Beginning in chapter 25 in Genesis, we see that the boys are born, the twins, Jacob and Esau, Esau being the oldest. And back then during that culture, the oldest, the firstborn, was always the one who would receive the, the birthright and the blessing from the father. Right? That's what that culture did back then. And so they were going along as young men growing up. And then all of a sudden, Esau, and you know the description of who and what he was. He was a guy who liked to get out and get dirty into the woods or wherever it might be, hunting, providing that way. And this guy, you know, one time was out hunting and came back in and he was famished. I don't know if he got anything or not. If he's a hunter like me, probably not. Okay? But he loved to get out there. And he was tuckered out. When he arrived back at the, at the home, he was so hungry, and, and he found out that his brother Jacob, who liked to be at the house, liked to do the cooking stuff and, and all of those uh, good things around the home, uh, he started to smell something that Jacob had been cooking. And it happened to be this, this soup that he was making. And he was so hungry that he went in to his brother and he said, man, I need some of that. I am starving. And Jacob, I'm going to abbreviate the story real quickly, saw an opportunity for him to seize that blessing and that birthright from his brother. And he said, I'll give you this soup. Kind of dangling it out there. If you give me your birthright, if you give me that blessing that you have as the firstborn, I'll give you the soup. And Esau wasn't thinking clearly, and he gave it over to him. Story goes on a little later on in the chapters after chapter 25 about how the deception of that birthright that Jacob took from his older brother came into play. And really what happened is he took something and he did something that was offensive to his brother. And his mother, Jacob, and Esau's mother, Rebecca, of course, um, really favored Jacob. And uh, she and him devised a plan 
for the father to be deceived into giving his blessing when he died onto Jacob. And that's what happened. Long story short, as you continue to move through closer to chapter 32, you find that Jacob realized that he had really messed up. And Esau knew that his brother had messed up too. And Jacob took off out of there for fear of his life. You know something? A lot of times when someone offends us and it requires us to forgive them, time goes on between the time that the offense happened and, and if we ever get to that point where we do forgive people. Over 20 years from the time that Isaac, the father of Jacob and Esau, bestowed the blessing on Jacob and the time that Jacob took off and then that meeting that happened between Jacob and Esau after all this had happened. Over 20 years, think about that. Esau had been offended and he had held on to that for 20 years. Now I'm sure there's a lot of the backstory in that whole thing there that you know, would be able to help us fill in what was going on in there. But I wanna bring the point home to this, that not only did Jacob have to deal with the idea that he offended his brother and needed forgiveness, but Esau also had to get to that point too. There was, there was a major issue that had happened here. And when we finally meet up with Jacob and Esau in the end, in chapter 33, we can see that Jacob had heard that Esau had been looking for him. Okay, and he was terrified. But nonetheless, there was a confrontation that was coming. And the story is told real quickly that in the end, when Jacob saw Esau coming, he ran up and he said, I need to ask for forgiveness. I'm paraphrasing this. And I want to give you this, this big gift that I have for you, uh, some of the possessions that I have. But you know something? Esau embraced his brother and kissed him. And it's evidence that there was forgiveness without a need of anything to come through. And so I want to spend just a few minutes telling you that story to help us understand that we could practice this type of forgiveness in our lives so that those who need forgiveness from us can see God reflected in our lives, okay? Sometimes the tough thing is this, and I want you to listen. The tough thing in our lives is this, that the most ugly thing that has ever been done to us, and take just a second and think about that, because I'm sure if I asked for you to raise your hand, how many of you guys have been offended, offended in here by someone, and there's been a need of forgiveness from you on your part to the person that offended you. I'm sure a lot of us could raise our hands. In fact, most of us probably could. But sometimes the tough thing is this, thinking about the most ugly thing that has ever happened in our lives. When you look at that, and then you look at the comparison of what mankind did to God's only son, his firstborn, because of the sin that is in our lives and the sin that is in the world, we nailed him to that cross. Mankind did, right? Because of sin. And that really takes everything that I have had done to me and it makes it shrink in size to what we did to God's Son, to what Dave Rowe did to Jesus Christ because of my sin. And I struggle sometimes with the fact that I could be even given 
an opportunity to be forgiven by the one who gave his son for my sin. Because, man, I'm a filthy, rotten, dirty sinner. We are. That's what mankind is. But I'm so thankful for the truth of God's word where it shares an amazing grace, something that we just sang about here. You know, grace is the unmerited favor of God bestowing his blessing upon us through what his son Jesus did. We don't deserve that. Unmerited means we don't deserve it. But yet God chose to forgive. And not only did he choose to forgive, but he for, forgets it. And he wants us to move through life living the best life with his forgiveness on our lives. And we're covered by what Jesus Christ has done. He shows that to us. You know, there are small and simple truths in, in God's word and in this life that we can take and apply to our lives. But a lot of times we as mankind, every one of us in this room, we complicate things. We complicate the things of this life. And we even include in those complications forgiveness. We put stipulations on everything, don't we? Even our forgiveness of people, we put stipulations on it. Two of the hardest statements I find that I struggle inside to say are these. I can quickly say it, but I struggle with it very much inside, is that I'm sorry and I forgive you. Both of those I struggle with. I don't like to say I'm sorry inside. I don't like to. But yet it's the quickest thing that comes out of my mouth. And then I don't, I really struggle with, I forgive you. And there have been situations in my life in the past. And I'm sure in this room, we could share tons and tons of things in our lives that have happened to us from people. Some of them are ugly. Really, really ugly. And I'm not diminishing those. I'm not at all in this. I understand it. I've been involved in a lot of situations where I've seen some ugly offenses that have been enacted upon by people to people. And it's a rough thing to be thinking about forgiveness from the mindset as a believer when an ugly thing has happened in your life. But I'm so thankful that the faithfulness of God's word and the truth of his word is that we can see that mankind, every one of us in here, including those that have been offended or those that have offended people with small things or ugly things, that there is restoration and that there is forgiveness for every one of us. I want you to listen to these words that were, I believe, brought to my attention a while back for this particular purpose today. And I'm thankful that I was able to capture that. Listen to what this says. Keeping in mind about forgiveness, we see that Jesus challenges... Let me stop there for a minute. How many of you like to be challenged on things? How many of you parents like to be challenged by your kids? How many of you kids like to be challenged by your parents? All right. Just listen to this for a second. Jesus challenges our preoccupation with the here and the now. As human beings, we're preoccupied with the here and the now. We are. Okay. 
with those things that are felt and those things that are seen. That's what we are. That's how we are. And so Jesus challenges that. Keeping in mind, restoration and forgiveness is coming here. As Jesus' earthly ministry moved forward, many of the people that he came in contact with, whether they heard about him or he actually walked right up to them, you know, out of the blue, many of those people sought after his miraculous healing power to resolve their physical suffering, the here and the now, right? You got it? Take care of this right now. I've got to have that squared up. And that's what many of the people were dealing with when they came in contact with Christ, when Jesus was walking on this earth. But Jesus, here's the challenge, his message wasn't an earthly one. You see the physical healing thing and the taking care of things right here and now, it's an earthly thing, right? His message to this earth was not an earthly message, okay? It was... It was one that was way beyond the paralysis of our bodies, our physical being here. We paralyze ourselves. Remember I said a little bit ago that a lot of times we really put heavy stipulations on things and, you know, it's got to be this way, this way. We complicate matters. That's what this world does. And yet when we see this, it is Jesus came and his message was way beyond our earthly physical things here. Jesus was concerned more with the paralysis of our souls because we were out of favor with God because of this sin and we were in desperate need of forgiveness and as human beings we were paralyzed within our very inner core because of this sin and sin holds us paralyzed and we hold on to these things it is our need to be forgiven of our sin that goes way beyond all other concerns and you know something? I struggled with putting this out there, but I'm going to do it. It even goes way beyond our physical people here being offended by people here. Our need for forgiveness of my sin, personalized, goes way beyond anything that anybody has ever done to me and offended me in that I need to offer forgiveness. Do you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying here? That's what Jesus' message is because when we come to grips and understand what that is about and his message to me, it begins to open up a whole new realm of thinking and a whole new realm of living. Keep in mind, I am not saying that those things that we deal with in there that are really bad, that have happened to us, are difficult, but we can get through these things with Christ in this. Because of who God is, there is grace and there is forgiveness. We find that God's law in the Bible about this whole thing levels the playing field with us. Okay? He knows, and because we have God's word, we know that we are guilty as charged because of the sin in our lives. But the work that Jesus Christ did alone on the cross was sufficient to cover even the greatest of sinners and the very best of men. Everything he did on that cross and leading up to it, the message that he brought was big enough to cover everything 
that we can even be offended by human beings around us. And once we begin to take time and wrap our heads around that, we can see that we can move forward in this life. There are things that happen in our lives. We, we went through some of these when we were dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. Anger, fear, hostility, bitterness, rage, resentment. All of those things. Have any of you guys ever felt any of those? In, in, anybody ever felt them? You don't dare to put your hand up, do you? It's okay. I've felt them. Right? And I know you have too. Have you ever felt those feelings towards somebody? Maybe even somebody that you love. Yep, I have. Those are angry feelings. We know that they are. And a lot of times, we in this world have termed those as hot emotions. Right? And they fuel an unforgiving spirit. Because when we are offended by someone, we get angry. And we get very hostile. And we begin to build up bitterness against this person. In fact, we could even rage on them. Been there, done that. And the descriptive as a hot emotion, man, I get hot just thinking about it. I get fired up, I'll tell you. Especially thinking about some of those things that have gone on in my life in the past. And I'm telling you, I'm beginning to seethe. Okay, I might go into a rage here in just a second, but it's true. Those things are very well described. And when we're hurt, our angry feelings don't go away overnight. Can you relate to me on that? They just don't go away. Even as, when you take a moment, well, Christians should be forgiven, yeah, but listen. They don't go away overnight. It's the way it is. In fact, we can spend days and weeks and months and even years turning these things over and over in our minds and in our hearts, feeling just as angry as the moment that the offense happened. So who the heck wants to live like that? With all of that building up, I know sometimes when those things happen to me, those hot emotions happen, I'm still hot. I really am thinking about some of these things. I begin to not feel well, literally, physically. And it's almost like there's something in the pit of my stomach, right, that gets there. And I don't want to have those things happen. I don't want to have those things rise up in me, but, man, I, I struggle with it because I can't help it if I've been offended. And it increases my stress level. Sometimes people say, Dave, you, you don't ever seem like you get stressed out. <laughs> I've worked hard at covering that up. But let me tell you, I can get stressed. And a lot of times these things that happen to us can raise our blood pressure. There's been research done on these things. And a whole host of other problems can begin to happen. If you've ever been boiling mad, and I told you I was seething right now, I still am. I'm, I'm starting to sweat. Okay? And it's not out of nervousness or anything. It's just knowing that this was coming up and knowing that what I've been talking about also applies to things that have happened in my life. And, and I've been boiling mad at someone. Have you ever been there? And still feel that fire at the mention of their name? Doesn't matter who it is. Can you relate with that? Can, just give me a nod. You don't have to. Okay, good. I'm seeing nods right there. 
This is a good thing. You're tracking with me. When that happens, sometimes when those things begin to really pound in on us, you may want to consider using the F word. It's forgiveness. I struggled on whether or not I would say that. Because I don't like to be too edgy from up here. But listen to me. And, and let, me, let me just say this. If I just offended you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really am. But it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? <laughs> That's where I was going to use it. Anyway, listen. Listen. Forgiveness. It's, at that point, when that gets in there, it's time to bring that word out. And I know that it struggles, that we struggle with these things. And it sounds great, but how in the world do we go about forgiving someone who has mortally wounded us in our spirits. Well, for starters, we shouldn't bury it. We shouldn't choose to ignore it. Thinking in time that it will go away because we've done that, it doesn't happen. It doesn't go away. The problem doesn't leave. It's still there. And we certainly can't minimize the fact that it has hurt us. We can't. So I want to give you a few tips, this life hack thing about helping you be efficient and more productive in being forgiven. And so let me just share this with you quickly. One of the biggest things, and I, I don't like doing it, I, I, for some reason I just have not got it, but I know a lot of people do this, and so I have begun to start to try to do this. Make a list. Take into account the offense that has happened. Write it down. Put it in writing so you can see it. Call it what it is. Write that down. What is it that's happened to you? And then as you look at what you've just written down, I'm going to ask you to think about this. Decide if you can allow God to meet your need right there. The need that you have lost, that you just wrote down, through this particular transgression or this thing that has been done to you at whatever magnitude it is on life scale of those things that have happened. Ask yourself, can I allow God to meet the need that needs to be met here because I've been offended by that person. I've had this major thing happen to me. Can you trust God as your security. Maybe this person is a coworker or a family friend, or maybe it's a loved one in the home, and maybe they've damaged the security in your life. Okay? Can you trust God to be your security then? Because really, in essence, when we give our lives to Christ at that moment, He needs to even supersede the security of people around us. He needs to take the place of that. Man, I battle with that. I do. Can we trust him to be adequate to meet our needs as well? And can we trust him to be the one of value in our life beyond what this one that has done something to us 
And then pray a prayer at that point of forgiveness to release the person that's offended you. Man, that's tough. I don't know if I can do that, Pastor Dave. Look, you don't have to say that to me. Okay? You don't have to say that to me. This is about just helping me get through this. Give it to God. Let's see if we can put that onto Him. Release that person from the debt that's been owed to you now. Remember the story I told you about Jacob and Esau, right? Big deal. Then, along with making that list, this one here, I, I really, it messes with my head. Here's another thing. Stop ruminating. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great word. I heard that word, and I'm like, a long time ago. And I'm like, man, that is an old word, but it's a good word for today, too. You know what ruminating is? Huh? Here's what it is. It's thinking over and over and over. It's like a cow chewing its cut. Okay? In fact, even in the description of the cow chewing its cut, it's about ruminating, right? And they just keep bringing it back up, chewing it over and over and over again. But that's what ruminating is. And so we need to stop thinking over and over again. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Dave. You do not know how bad this thing was that was done to me. I know. I understand that. Can you imagine someone See how tough it is? <laughs> you don't know how bad this is, Pastor Dave, that I've been offended by someone who maybe physically did something to someone. Oh. Think about that. Oh. I've been a youth pastor and a teacher for a lot of years, and I've seen a lot of stuff. Not just academically in my classroom or in my youth group. And I just don't know how that can happen. And it irritates me. And I'm not even the one that had it happen to. Or that I even did. I didn't do it. But I saw the effects of it. And how can you get to that point where you can forgive? I told you I was a boy of a man. I'm telling you. Sorry. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I understand there's ugly things here. But God is way beyond this. And as Christians, man, if we can capture that and move toward becoming like him in our forgiveness of people and things that have happened in this life, think about what can happen. Think about it. It's amazing when you think about these things. The truth is we have to stop bringing them up. We have to choose to intentionally focus on God during those very difficult times. It is tough. I admit it. I admit it. And then we need to take a risk. Just because you don't feel like forgiving doesn't mean you can't forgive. The truth is, you're never going to feel like forgiving. It's the truth. But risking to forgive someone who has hurt you can remove huge weights from your life. Huge weights. 
and probably even add a few years to your life. That's a good thing. I like that. Medical studies have found that people who are forgiven for major offenses in their life have lower blood pressure, less risk of heart disease compared to those people who have not. Let me ask you a question. You know people who have had something happen to them and have never forgiven that person. And in looking at those persons' lives, and I know some, I saw them tracking here and then I saw the offense happening and I saw that they never forgave and I saw their life just track downward. And it just it became hard and harsh. And I mean, you could see a physical change in their life that way. <coughs> But you know something? I've also seen people that have done that, track this way, and then forgiven, and I've seen an uptick in their life, especially when they take it to God and they move forward. Do you understand that I am up here sharing a very hard thing, but I understand it's a very hard thing, too, and I'm not diminishing or belittling anything? Not at all. But we, we have been given an amazing gift that we have been forgiven by the one who has made everything, including us. Restoration is different than reconciliation. I get it. It takes two people. When the offender comes to you, the offended, you have to decide whether or not you're going to grant forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a choice. It is. God chose to forgive us. God doesn't ask us to do anything that isn't within a, the power of him working through us to do in our lives. I don't know if any of you remember the story a long time ago about a couple, a missionary couple, went to South America, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. You guys know them? Okay, some of you have heard the story. They were just, I'm not going to say newly married, but they'd only been married a couple years. And they chose to go down and bring the gospel to a remote tribe in South America. And right on the front end of things, as, as they began to make contact, Jim was killed by this tribe. I can't imagine that. I'm just getting ready to go on a mission trip myself with a group here in a couple weeks going to New York City. Talk about a jungle. Okay. But I can't imagine that. This young couple had all the dreams in the world, decided to follow Christ, follow those dreams that he had for them, go in and carry the gospel. Jim lost his life. Elizabeth, over the course of a few years, went back to that same tribe and committed her life to sharing the gospel. And because of that, and because of her forgiving those men who took the life of her husband, that tribe was exposed to Jesus Christ. And many have given their lives to Christ. It's an amazing story. It really is. And uh, I would encourage you just to even take a look at uh, the story sometime. If you need information about it, I can give it to you. But unforgiveness in our lives, if we don't do it, it leads to bondage. It holds us in bondage. Even the person that has been offended, it holds us in bondage. But forgiveness leads to liberty. Unforgiveness hurts or robs us of things. Remember, even physically, it can take us down. And it robs from the victim. 
the person that has been offended by that. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. You know there's a thief that roams around this earth looking to kill and destroy God's people? It's the enemy. That's his purpose, is to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, my purpose, though, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. But when you refuse to forgive, what you are doing then is you are opening the door to let the enemy come in and keep robbing you of that full and joyful life. Okay, that God speaks of in his word. There is triumph in forgiveness. There is triumph in forgiveness. In this particular message, we discover the reason for the cross. Remember I said mankind did an amazingly ugly thing to the firstborn of God? We put him on that cross. But the message of the cross is profound. Yes, great suffering, but it's an example of how God triumphed over sin and death. And he gave us that grace and that mercy and that truth that we can be restored to him. And we know that true forgiveness is the whole Bible. Throughout the whole Bible, we see that it's in there. The Old Testament, the New Testament, it's full of it. And God is ready to forgive apart from anything that we have done. He is ready to forgive us. He even is ready to forgive the person that has offended us. There's not one person that God is not willing to forgive. God is ready to forgive. He's ready to make that happen. And I want to challenge you as a body here in this church to move forward in just simply asking God, all right, I need to be more efficient and effective in my life of forgiving people and pointing them to Christ and showing them grace, and letting them see the truth that just flows within me from God's Word. So I want to challenge you to do that. God doesn't forgive in degrees. He doesn't put stipulations on it. He just simply says, if you come to me, And if you give this over, I will forgive you. And I'll change you. I was looking through uh, some tweets midway through this week. And uh, one of them hit me pretty hard in a good way. I was looking through and a tweet came across my phone. Because that's the one that I really work on. And it was by a guy who is an incredible theologian and an apologist. His name is Ravi Zacharias. You've heard of him, I'm sure. This dude's old and he tweets. Or he gets somebody to tweet for him. I don't know. But it was really good. He's, he's an amazing individual. He recently tweeted the prayer request because he was, no joke, just in the past few days, he was in uh, the capital of Indonesia, in Jakarta. It's a big city. I think close to 9 million people. And he was there to speak at a young leader's gathering, okay? And in this tweet, he said this, and I quote, may my words point to the one who we are gathered to worship and proclaim. 
So he's getting ready to speak, and he is asking, really, that his words that he is about to speak would reflect the one that everybody there was gathering to worship and to proclaim. And I thought about it and mulled over it because I was just, you know, I was like, you know, I really want to understand how all of these things come into play. And as I was putting this together, this sermon, this, this hit me. It's like, man, that works. I might take the context of that tweet and say this. Do my words and my actions point to the one that I worship and proclaim, including being offended and having to forgive? Do I forgive because I want my words and actions to proclaim the one that I worship and speak about? And so I'm going to challenge you as, as a body here, can we do that? In dealing with this life hack of forgiveness, and you should practice this, okay? Can we get to a point, whatever the cost, if God is sufficient enough, and he says it is, he is, to help us with everything, can we allow our words and our actions to reflect the one, capital O, that we proclaim and that we worship? And do the people that we come in contact with every day, every day, Sunday to Saturday night, do they see that happening in our lives? I challenge you to do that. Father God, it's a privilege to be here this morning. And as we head out of here this morning, I ask for your favor to be on this group. And I ask God that you would help us to be reminded that you have given us an incredible gift and that you want us to proclaim this good news to the people we come in contact with every day through our words and our actions. May this happen and may this fall heavily on this church so that we can impact this city and this world for you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.